0: Hello, I'm Matt Dyer, the CEO of Zilliqa, the OG Layer 1, and I'm also the CEO of Rolling Thunders, the gaming business building games on Zilliqa blockchain. We're an emerging hub that's tailored for ventures building in Web3 space. I'm here on Edge of NFT, the show that's allowing its listeners to emerge as an aficionado in Web3
1: and gaming. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. NFT curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn how an OG's Layer One's Venture Arm has tackled Web3 gaming, coming out of the gate with unique and engaging first-person shooter game.
2: And why trusted verified is a core attribute of our guest today's personality and having a fruitful existence in the blockchain space.
1: Finally, we have a discussion around whether or not NFT winter is over,
2: or at least in the midst of a spring fall. And yes, it's official. You can now dive into the captivating world of artificial intelligence with the Edge of AI podcast. Join us as we explore the frontiers of AI and its impact on our lives. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Twitter at edgeof underscore AI and LinkedIn for exciting updates and insights. You can also visit our new website at edgeofai.xyz. Welcome to The Edge of NFT,
1: the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Jenny, and Josh Krieger, featuring a variety of top-notch guests and other
2: hosts like myself, Richard Carthon. It's another production of The Edge of Company, a quickly-growing media ecosystem empowering the pioneers of Web3 tech and culture, and responsible for other groundbreaking endeavors like the Outer Edge LA Innovation Festival. Today's sponsored episode features Matt Dyer, CEO of Zilliqa, Group, and Rolling Thunders. Matt brings
1: over two decades of enterprise experience to his role where he oversees Zillica's operations and leads its global commercialization efforts. His focus is on creating commercial opportunities that resonate with blockchain ecosystem and token ecosystems. Zillica is an emerging hub tailored for ventures building in the Web3 space, and gaming is a vertical focus for Zillica Group. And Zillica in its venture business, RTZ, proudly presents its first gaming title, Web3 War, co-founded by Matt. This episode will delve into Zillica's role in integrating blockchain technology into the gaming sector, highlighting Web3 War, Web War's significance. The Zilliqa platform is one of the fastest and most advanced blockchain systems globally, dedicated to developing an open, interoperable blockchain to enhance financial inclusion, particularly in Southeast Asia. In this conversation with Matt, we'll explore Zilliqa's work in tokenization, future of online retail payments and cryptocurrencies like stablecoins. We'll also get an insight into the extensive capabilities of Zilliqa's platform and his industry's expertise. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today, Ben.
0: Richard, Joe, thanks for having me.
2: Yes, sir. Um, you know, when I found out we were chatting about having you on, I got pretty excited because uh, I kind of got into the crypto world in 2017-18. And Zillica was one of those projects that that, you know crossed my uh, computer as it's really interesting. And and now here we are all these years later and, and we have you on the show. Um, but you guys have quite a history.
0: Yeah, we're certainly one of the OGs in the space. As you said, 2017, the ICO came out. 2019, we went live with our mainnet. For those people who don't know Zillica, we were first to market with sharding. Clearly, that um, first mover advantage has moved on now, but if you think about our pedigree, our background, our history, it's nice to still be here um, at the frontier of such an exciting uh, industry.
2: Absolutely. And uh, can you kind of tell us some of the sort of genesis story behind how uh, Zilka got initially started and how it sort of evolved at, at this point? Yes, yeah, so it was really a thesis uh, that was born out of the University of Singapore,
0: Clearly Bitcoin came out, Ethereum came out, there was this big bottleneck, which is still maybe a little bit of a challenge, but obviously we've got the scaling up capability now with Layer 2s, but Zillica was very much about you go to your Starbucks, you want to order a coffee, typically you stand in line waiting for your coffee. Zilliqa was sharding, everyone can queue up at the same time, be served, everyone's happy. So we're very much one of the, the blockchains that looked at. UX is probably a key um, dimension that people need in the space. And the thesis of that type is very much about delivering sharding and uh, capability to maximize throughput. And if you think about um, the target um, sector back then, which in a way hasn't really changed, it's around how do we drive enterprise adoption and having a stack or a blockchain that enabled the sharding technology enabled us to have conversations that were quite exciting at the time.
2: And now a brief interlude from today's show so you can get ready to wave your magic wand with Cast Magic. Our team has saved a ton of time and money using Cast Magic for our show and the potential use cases are boundless for any company creating content. Imagine turning a single recording into a goldmine of engagement for any type of show, webinar or other type of audio and or video content, whether it's short or long. With Cast Magic, you can save over 20 hours a week. No more tedious transcribing or brainstorming social media posts. Cast Magic does it all, generating show notes, summaries, blog posts, and even newsletters in minutes. Think of it as your content alchemist, transforming every audio or video into a treasure trove of valuable content. Want to experience the magic? Get a seven day trial on us by going to bit.ly forward slash castmagicreferral. And join Cast Magic's vibrant Slack community of over a thousand innovators. Don't just create, cast your magic with Cast Magic.
1: So, yeah. And as that's kind of been evolving throughout the years, uh, it, it's been really cool to see how the ecosystem has been embracing a lot of different you know, subsets of blockchain and, and where it can go. And, and one of the ways that you're doing that is through blockchain gaming. So you recently incubated Web 3 War. It's a first-person shooter game in collaboration with Rolling Thunders. And this is positioned as your chain's first gaming title. Can you share more about this?
0: Yeah, so this stemmed back from, I guess, peak boom market last time. There was a lot of, um, I guess, gaming individuals coming to Zilliqa looking for big grants and money to kind of build the next game. Obviously, Axie Infinity was blowing up. There wasn't much domain expertise in Zilliqa specifically around gaming. Um, So we felt that what is the best opportunity to maximize an outcome? Let's work with people who've got domain expertise in an industry. They've had experience in generating revenue, getting users, getting adoption, rather than coming at it potentially from a Web3 utopian mindset where, i don't know everything's just going to work so we had a bit of a reset at zilliqa we decided if we're going to focus in on different verticals let's make sure we have people who got a better chance um, in terms of execution and clearly owning the the blockchain um capability and having the expertise not just from a blockchain perspective but from tokenomics from liquidity management from treasury management from wallet management from smart contract uh, capability, it stood us in good stead to work with different individuals and ventures to deliver the applications and businesses they they wanted. So gaming was um, the first use case we looked at. We hired um, a gentleman called Valentin Cabella, who's got a lot of experience in Web2 Gaming, has had a couple of exits himself in the gaming space. He came on board, quickly identified that there was a lack of um, infrastructure in place to drive adoption so when he first came on board i think he built out an sdk i think he set him a couple of months time frame to build that sdk out he built that i think within a week he then said if zilliqa is looking to kind of drive adoption we need um a distribution um engine to enable games to have um content to have a distribution platform so we very much looked at the valve steam model whereby we we kind of built out the infrastructure we built a launcher So that anybody looking to build a game in Web3 or even Web2 for that matter, can look to launch that from the Fusion Hub, which is where um, Web3 more is going to be. Well, it's already launched, but the 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 tokenization capabilities coming that we'll talk about a bit later on. So, yes, it was very much about getting a domain expert on board show the market what a good case study looks like in terms of, I guess, a layer one supporting a venture, building that out. And then off the back of that, if we can get a use case that resonates with the market, um, it make it a lot easier to attract developers um, and gamers to come and want to build on on Zilliqa. And at the same time in parallel, we were um, also doing partnerships with three esports teams Some big players in the space, we did one with Ninjas in Pyjamas, who are quite iconic in the space. We did a partnership with Mad Lions um, and I think Overwatch Media out of Canada are their parent company. And we also did one in Southeast Asia, RRQ. So if you start to think about, we've got the distribution, we've got the games, we've got professional esports players who can actually demonstrate and play our games on a global market it starts to become quite a nice ecosystem to kind of build into in that they can activate their games into our, into our market. And so then,
2: so, so just to clarify a clarifying question there, because you, you use the word we um, is, is Zilka set up in a similar way as a lot of L1s where you have like the decentralized token economy, and then you have like a sort of a governance association that's chartered with sort of uh, stimulating the ecosystem and, has a portion of the tokens that they can sort of allocate towards ecosystem development? Is that how it works? A great question. So, Zillica
0: actually is a public blockchain. So, like all the other uh, layer ones, you've got uh, a platform that anyone can build on, which is really cool. We've also got a governance token um, as part of um, our ecosystem, which can make decisions on, I don't know, validator type capability, do we move to proof of stake and good things like that? And then Zilliqa Group itself is not um, a foundation like your Cardanos of the world. Um, we're a private venture. It was very much about driving um, revenue um, out of that, that Zilliqa Group. And then off the back of that, supporting the ecosystems and projects looking to build on our public chain. So slightly different to your Cardanos. But I think as we're starting to see the market mature, a lot of those funda- foundations, while they might say they're foundations, are really about proving out how they can generate revenue and, and maximize profits, which I think is- Yeah
2: yeah, which is fine, right? I mean I mean there's nothing wrong with that. And 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 I think that um you guys have just sort of taken a, a direct approach there in terms of um you know doing that. But but from a perspective of like ecosystem development you know, there is a capitalistic element of of building any blockchain out where, you know, at the end of the day, what, what motivates humans to be involved in, in projects is to be able to generate revenue, right? And to generate profit. And so you, you all set up Zillica in a way that sort of stimulates that long term, which is, I think, you know. The one, one piece of evidence we have in terms of whether or not that's working is you all are, are still around and, and growing the ecosystem. And, and that's not the case for every L1 and L2 that came up in that 2017-2018 time period. And, and still around in that, Josh, it's a good point. We still have um, invested in a
0: lot of um, product projects. I think one of the first ones was the well 1 Unstoppable Domains. We've done other projects, like we've got a, a liquid staking um, application. Well, we, app- we just had we just had Sandy on the show. All right, cool. Well, yeah, Sandy, she's great. And then we've yeah, in, invested or giving grants to different projects, like a liquid staking project that's on Zillica, which is pretty cool, and a whole host of others. But I think just from a, a focus, a laser focus, and trying to help and bootstrap and drive awareness um, of Zillica, you could argue... But also just prove out to the space that this this industry isn't going anywhere. And if we could be one of the ones in the industry that shows use cases that are revenue generating, I think that's positive for, for everyone.
2: That's great. So so let's talk for a minute about your upcoming token launch um for Web3 Wards called FPS. Um what when's that happening? And and you know, um we, we love to sort of focus on the utility side of, of tokens. And I think that's particularly important these days. What, what's some of the sort of fundamental uh, utility built into FPS? So, FPS
0: um, is the token that's going to power the economy within Web3 War, as you kind of intimate. There was, I mentioned Axie Infinity previously, it was very much around, um, I guess, time and game and grinding pretty hard we had a thesis really that people want to play games that are enjoyable I think everyone's kind of woken up to that mantra but thinking about web 3 how do you drive that value transfer um, to people who are grinding and, and having fun in games there's concepts in web 2 around things like battle passes the ability to play people um, and as, as teams or as individuals and maybe um, I guess, wager that your skill is better than the other person that you're playing with. And by virtue of the token, we're kind of built out um, a skill to earn moniker, which enables you, if you're good at playing first person shooters, you can come to the, the Web3 um, gaming platform, buy a battle class or state your tokens to then show how good you are at dominating a first person shooter. So very much. We see it as a mechanism to um, reward people for timing game, which is important. If you're looking at revenue generating opportunities as well, in terms of the platform, there's the ability to buy music streaming as part of that game. So if I don't know if you're a streamer, if you're a player, and you want to have music that it's not, it's got copyrights associated with it. Again, there's a requirement to buy, um, use your FPS tokens to buy that. We've got skins within the game, again, a mechanism that you need to to have to purchase. So there's quite a lot of things within the economy built around this skill to earn um, idea, which we think is quite cool, that that should drive people to want to play. And then if you think about guilds and, and guilds looking for an alternative to rate, to generate revenue, if you find games like, I guess, like Shrapnel or Went 3 Roar, which has got the ability to earn um, as a group or as a collective to play a game that starts to become quite an, an attractive um, thing to do so we're quite excited about the opportunities there and then if you think about the wider um silica ecosystem as well and being able to potentially start to move your fps token into the other applications around what we're building again things start to be quite exciting so yeah really is uh, based around this sorry go
1: no i was just gonna say man like That's really cool. This is one of the first uh, skill to earn uh, types of experiences that I've heard. And as you're explaining it, I really want to just like reemphasize everyone listening, especially if you're a gamer like myself, like how they're putting in these mechanics uh, that reward skill um, and not necessarily just the grind of doing something over and over again. Like I think it's a really cool component. And you're actually getting into uh, another question that uh, I was curious to learn more about which was you know, some of the rewards around uh, the FPS token, which has to do with some of the being able to bring entities cross gaming, cross platform. And I think it's another really cool inference of being able to keep everything within the ecosystem of Zilliqa. So can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that and, and some more of the mechanics that will come into the, the cross entity opportunities and the rewards that come with uh, the FPS tokens?
0: Yeah, I think the first project I really heard about that was alluvium, where I think uh, they got the ability or talking about the ability to move nFTs cross um, game, which I think is really exciting. from from our perspective, when you think about the value transfer, ownership, and making sure that the value is kind of with you as a player, we very much came at the ethos, right? We've got the first title, um, Web 3 War. There's a second title, which is a looter-shooter-extract game, um, which is coming next. And then from our perspective, we've built in the ability to take your skins or digital assets from Web3 War and then leverage them in the second title. Uh, We're still trying to work out how many games in that specific uh, genre we're going to do in terms of taking your NFTs across into those games. But again, We've built that mechanic in from a middleware perspective, that capability is there. So I'm excited to kind of get that game up and running and show people what the Web3 ethos is all about. And again, this comes back to this thing can we show case studies where value is transferred? We feel what we've kind of built out, or Valentin and the team at Rolling Thunders have built out in terms of the skill to earn, in terms of the NFT value transfer across game. I think is gonna definitely stand the the space um in good stead well
2: let, let, let me ask you a a question matt um you know you a lot of uh folks have entered the gaming side of web three just in the last you know three years a lot of these games are still being developed um you know, I'm I'm in the you know Game Seven just released a report about the state of web three gaming, and and we talked about it on the show. We got a sense that like, you know, a good amount of investment has made here, and there's just like this general debate or discussion around sort of AAA versus Dom AAA. How long does it take to to build a game that's really sort of going to um, win over the masses? Um, you know, where is all this going? Um, clearly, you guys have, have thought a lot about this stuff because you've taken a very intentional approach with this first game and, this, and the second game coming out. But where do you kind of fall out on on all this? Like, um, you know, is is 2024 the year for Web3 Gaming? Um, And that narrative to shift to, like, look, we've built some real stuff now. Um, Or is it going to take a little longer to mature? And how important is AAA type of games to the ecosystem?
0: Yeah, I think the media wants to kind of focus in on AAA. Again, Shrattles raised a hell of a lot of money, which is great to build out a AAA game. But they've also
2: had their challenges, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that's clear. We've got quite a lean team. I think from our perspective as well, with what Valentine brought with him, I had some IP that we could kind of leverage, which has enabled us to accelerate um, and bootstrap what we've got. Um, so I do think um, next year, we are going to see a lot more titles coming to market um, on the promise that people are going to want to come and play. And I'm And I'm hopeful because I guess we've taken away a lot of the complexity around wallets and all that good stuff, which to be honest is still too difficult <laughs> let's be honest with it and um, and we we hope that with what we've got um, it's going to be very easy for people to play and then the reality comes is like richard's a big um, gamer he has a play of web 3 war he finds it fun for 10 15 minutes hyper casual and then he starts to understand oh actually i made a little bit there by my pizza or by by the wife or the girlfriend something off the back of playing and she might moon a little bit less I think that's where we kind of need to get to, where people just come in and have a play, and it's maybe not about making, I don't know, the million-dollar returns around it. It's really about getting gamers to come and play it. As I say, we've had the lights of in Nins Pyjamas, Mad Lies, professional players play it. They find it fun, engaging. So I don't see why we can't start to see um, adoption. So maybe if we can get the media to change the narrative really around the third, um, AAA,
2: A. AA, I think it's more around. Just let's just get the games out. Let's get people. Yeah, it. and and I I think to your point, it's about triple A fun, not double A fun, right? Like, um, you know, MochaVerse just did a game in partnership with a, a a game a pixel game, and you know, it's eight big graphics, but it's a fun game to to play. Uh, I think what's going to be imperative, um, you know, and and this is sort of uh what keeps me coming back to to games is that they're they're a lot of fun. No one wants to gamify uh you know uh, an experience where they don't actually enjoy the game longer than a week because it's just about the earning, right? It's got to actually be fun. Like that's that's how we live our lives. So I think, you know, that perspective is is refreshing.
0: Yeah, I think the thing as well is it's just about yield farming and just checking your bags every day. It does get a little bit tedious. It's got to be more to life than just that. So I think very much it's around, as you said, let's get something that people want to play. They earn a little bit. And then actually by virtue of that, they start to be educated around what is the opportunity in Web3. So maybe this is the way we can educate in a soft way people start to understand things about identity, self-custody, ownership, and then everyone can start to kind of implement all the smarts and the capability that we all want to see, but we're still probably 10 years away from executing against if we're being brutally honest with
1: ourselves. Oh, for sure. And, you know, one of the things that you just brought up that I think is really critical is around lessons that we've learned from previous things that have happened, right? Um, from previous Playdarn games that did yield farming and other Pieces of this, but just not just in the gaming space, but Zilliqa as a whole, from an ecosystem. You've been around for several cycles now. Been around since you know 2017, and 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 have had so much happen. What do you think are some of the key lessons that you've learned, and how has it shaped your view on Web3 and its future adoption? I think the biggest thing that I've learned
0: being in this space is that there's too much opportunity. <laughs> And you can, based on smart contracts, you can create whatever your mind conjures up. So therefore, from actually executing on an application or a business, it can be very challenging. So I think the grind of building businesses is not much fun. It's difficult. It's challenging. There's the ups and the downs. And I think if we get more people who've got experience from building businesses who can come into the space, set the benchmark and understand what the grind is to make sure things are successful, I think we'll be in a lot uh, better space. I think having the, I guess, the skills and the people that are in the space married to people with maybe a little bit more experience to kind of drive that sustainability is probably the big one that we are trying to look for in projects that we kind of work with. You still need the flair and the kind of people who are totally out there to kind of move the market forward. But we need a filler in of projects who are maybe a bit more kind of on un- vanilla in terms of what they're doing, but they actually deliver an outcome.
2: Yeah. You yeah.
1: I was going to say to add to that, like there's been a lot of uh, flair, like you said, uh, but we found that it's unsustainable in a lot of ways. And it, it does get people excited and potentially in the door, but it doesn't keep them and i think finding a way to have some vanilla with flair that gets people in but then they stick around and then like they're that, that dedicated diehard type of community ecosystem that is where we get to that path to sustainability and we get more of um, people who keep coming back and enjoy and, and, and actually become patrons and, and and go and tell and like get people to come and join the community as well but it, it can't just be like the the quick Check mark and then back down, right? Yeah. We we, we got to get out of this cyclicalness. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, we we've we've had over three hundred episodes of of this show talking with incredible founders like yourself, and I think you know you hit on something uh, really important. What attracts all of us to this space is also an albatross, which is this abundance of choice and possibility, right? Um, and, and where does that intersect with market demand and, and focus, um, you know, during, during these hype cycles, you know, there's a lot of ADD in our space as well. A lot of shiny objects that can be distracting. And, um, it sounds like, you know, you guys have kind of gone back to traditional business principles in terms of, um, you know, focus and build something awesome and good things will happen. So appreciate your perspective there and and really just curious like what your roadmap looks like um beyond what you've discussed already hello again web3 curious listeners if you're tuning into our podcast we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. In terms of Zilliqa or in terms of Rolling Thunders? Uh, let's talk about both. Let's let's start with Rolling Thunder and then zoom out to
0: Zilliqa. Okay, so I think from Rolling Thunder's perspective, key thing is to get this game out, get the TGE done, get people playing and leveraging the, the skill to earn mechanic. I think we're looking to try and get that enabled end of Jan, start of Feb, in terms of that capability. It's already been tested on Testnet. The game's live now in terms of play, so you can grind play, have a bit of fun, getting ready for when that capability comes out. There'll be the second game that comes off the back of that, which I've already kind of alluded to. And then as we kind of demonstrate um, the platform and the kind of the the fusion hub in terms of the launcher, we'd like to think that we can get games that haven't been made by by, uh, Rolling Thunders to come onto the chain and want to leverage the platform for distribution and everything else. So I think it's very much about driving growth off the back of the, the case studies that we're doing. So really excited for that. Um, other areas that I guess Zillica Group um, still focused in is we still talk to a lot of enterprises in terms of activating in uh, the Web3 space. And if you think about verticals that we're focused in on, we've got gaming I've just alluded to, I've talked about, or haven't talked about, we've got Metaverse and Spatial Web, which is still drawing a lot of attention. And I was actually at lunch just before this podcast talking to an established brand around how do they activate um, in Web3, which is pretty cool. And then loyalty is another big um, a horizontal, which I think underpins a lot of what a lot of the, the blockchain players are trying to do in terms of underpinning um, growth. We recently did a, a partnership uh, with a racing league who have got um, quite an exciting physical presence in the UK. And they're looking to embed loyalty to try and attract more users into their events physically. But clearly, there's the ability to then transcend into the digital space from a virtual racing. We've seen things like Zedron. We've seen Photo Finish Live and a few others being been very successful. But if you look at what we've got in terms of the partnerships, we've got the likes of Frankie Dettori, We've got arena racing involved, so we've actually got IP we can start to leverage and use, which I think is going to be important moving forward. And then even with the esports teams, we've got um, a token play that's going to be quite cool coming with each of the esports team. That's going to start to embed into their web to loyalty program. Um, and yeah, so tokenization of um, applications is a, is a big focus, especially with the brands that we're talking to. And we feel that if we can drive some good case studies that will start to kind of get people to open their eyes to what Zilliqa are doing. And then when we think about yield farming and all that other good stuff that people love doing. If they see and we've got a lot of wallets, we've got a lot of users that they can potentially start to convert from some of this stuff that we're doing with these partnerships that we're building out, then Zilliqa become maybe becomes an alternate place to to edge or hedge to kind of drive some, drive some growth. So yeah, pretty bullish in terms of the things that we're kind of doing, um, it's maybe one of those hidden gems that people have forgotten about is definitely kind of coming really aggressive back into the market.
1: Oh, for sure. We definitely appreciate you sharing all this insight. Uh, uh, Before this show, I was telling you about a friend of mine in Austin, who the diehard Zilliqa uh, ecosystem member and uh, was telling me back in April, like, hey man, don't sleep on Zilliqa, they got some really cool stuff coming out. Sure enough, here here you are. Uh, we're going to talk in real time. You're, you're telling us about Web3 war and what's coming and everything else with silica. Um, I know. I just with hearing you, I'm more bullish and I'm going to keep my ears to the
2: ground on what else is to come. Uh, I think, but I, I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I'm also and uh, and, and, and I'm going to be that the the voice in the back saying not financial advice. Um, but yeah. but 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 yeah, really cool. Go ahead, Richard. Well, one thing I didn't actually mention
0: is probably is going to be a big catalyst. We went EVN compatible about seven, eight months ago now. And if you think about Zillica before, we had our own smart contract language, which I still think will have a place in a couple of years when people start focusing in on the smart uh, contract language. But now we've got a whole raft of developers who never could um, fork or build applications on Zillica because of our um, programming language, which took them too long to get up to speed on we've now kind of broken that load down. So if you think about some of the applications that we're starting to see, there's a money market protocol that went live about four weeks ago. It's a a fork of Venus protocol, community projects built out an EVM DEX to kind of complement what we're doing there. We've got liquid staking that was enabled quite recently. So if you start to see the economy starting to build out by the fact we've got the DeFi money market or economy that's going to sit underneath the token economy that we're building, which we never had in the last, um, I guess, market kind of push, I think that sets Zillica up very
1: well, to try and drive projects to come and build on what we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. i um, and excited to hear about that. Um, but we're also excited to learn more about you as we go into this next segment, which has to do with our Edge Quick Hitters. So Edge <laughs> Quick Hitters is a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, there are 10 questions. We're looking for just a short single or a few-word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it.
2: <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, I know you've listened to a show, so uh, you have a little bit of uh, advantage over some folks that are coming in completely cold. You'll be fine. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Baddest thing. I'm not sure if it's still a thing. Marbles. Nice. I was just watching um the the Squid Game reality show on Netflix. Um this past weekend. Uh I wasn't feeling too well. And and that was like a flashback to, to marbles, but in a very different light. So uh Marbles I've well, not actually seen that, so maybe you should check it out. And yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll, it's it'll really give you a whole new perspective on 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 marbles. All right, thanks. so um Next question Matt what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life Um probably
0: selling myself maybe <laughs> I used to be in the uh the cubs so when you used to go around to do bob a job we people would pay for your time so I guess that was
2: my first um experience of making money <laughs> All right so uh sort of like fix this or bring this over here or... cut the grass or whatever yeah exactly you know oh, yeah do you it. Know. Yeah, I, essentially the Cubs are kind of like an early version of Taff's Rabbit.
1: <laughs> well, exactly that. Exactly that. Uh, that's cool. Uh, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Ooh, good question. Two bikes, actually, for my
0: children. Nice. One of them, oh, Joshi wanted a BMX, so I had to go and buy, buy him one. His legs were getting a bit longer, so.
1: Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, bikes should... are... Such a great time. I love doing it myself. Uh, my wife wanted one earlier this year. And uh, yeah, we now go check it out. It's a, it's a great time, so great gift. Um, what is the most recent thing you sold? Good
0: question. I probably don't have time to sell that much, but if you're counting my wife as somebody that sells stuff, probably something on Vinted, to be honest. She's always on there, she's always buying stuff, and then at least she's selling stuff as well. So yeah, Vinted. It's probably the last thing I sold.
2: Alright. I'll I'll have to tell my girlfriend about that one. She uses a lot of those sites, but I haven't heard that one. Um cross good. Cross, cross her uh, her plate yet. Cool. What is your most prized possession? Uh oh, it's got to be the family, the kids and the wife. Without a shadow of a doubt. There we go. Um and if you could buy anything in the world—digital, physical, service, experiences—currently for sale, what would it be? Ah, oh, the next monster bull run. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can I say let's, that? Yeah, it was, <laughs> let, absolutely. Let, I think we I think we've all been dying for the last two, three years. I think we need a bit of fun in our lives again. So yeah, it would be yeah. that.
2: I think. Let What let, let's go, LFG. <laughs> No, for sure. Um, If you could pass
1: on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I think it's about being humble, to be honest. I think there's a lot of people.
0: have got a lot of self-importance about who they are, what they do and everything else. Sometimes it's just listen to people, be humble and let's just all try and get on because life is too short.
1: I love it. I think one of the downfalls of social media, unfortunately, is that everyone has an opinion. And uh, unfortunately people uh, share them without necessarily taking that humility that you're saying with it. So uh, I think that's a, a great, gentle reminder. But on the flip side of that, if they, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Which is probably,
0: it's probably made more trust and verify, which funny thing seeing in this space, which is what it should be all about, but yeah. I don't know if it's a flaw or not, but I, I've always been very trusting of people. I sh- struggle to lose that. And that's probably maybe the one thing that I would try and remove. I don't know how you get that filter on, but yeah,
1: that's probably it. And it's not a bad thing, man. I think coming from a good place and you want the best in people, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who don't want the same back for you and take advantage of
2: it. So uh, that's, I don't, I don't think I've heard that answer before. So I like that. I appreciate that one. Absolutely. Matt, what do you do? Uh, you kind of alluded to it, but, but what did you do just before joining us on this podcast? I went
0: for a really nice lunch, actually, with a potential customer. They're trying to activate in Web3, so we went, had the conversation. Everyone was excited, as we talked about. Anything you dream of, you can do. And it's just work, it was just trying to work out with them, is, where do they start, which is always the hard point.
2: Nice. I so it's been a while since I've been back in in London. Um, but I but I hear you guys have quite the food scene now. Yeah, it's pretty good. Max, one of the founders, I went
0: for lunch with him, so he's a member of a few of these private members' clubs, which are quite nice. So yeah, hence the the shirt and the uh, the suit on today had to look the part. But yeah, there's lots of great places to eat in London. To be honest, um, yeah, you can't fault it.
2: Yeah, for, for for those of you on audio, Matt's wearing a nice dapper suit and uh no we didn't ask him to dress up, but we're 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 honored that he he didn't. <laughs> uh, Matt, what are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm gonna go to Liverpool Street train station and get the train home and hopefully the kids have gone to sleep so I don't have to deal with that. Nice. nice. Well we'll save problems uh... there. Richard, do we have a bonus question for Matt today?
1: We sure do. Since we are talking about gaming today, Um, I thought it was appropriate to ask, what was the first game you personally got addicted to and why? First
0: game. I used to play a lot of soccer when I was younger. I was a professional soccer player for the team. And ISS, ISS Pro Evolution was the first game that I got addicted to. And the day my little brother, who's eight years younger than me, beat me, was
1: probably the last day that I played that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious! Wow, um, it's so good. I'll uh, we'll have to check that one out. Um, but man, I, just being a, a diehard FIFA fan, like, uh, like I can understand, like, watch little brother, like, especially the sibling so, sibling rivalries. Like, I, I get it. Yeah, he destroyed me, unfortunately. So, Luke, that one's for you, mate.
2: <laughs> Hello again, Web Three Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about your insights, help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us back to the episode. There you go. Um, hey Matt. So uh, we've got a little time. So uh, if you're up for it, why don't you join us for uh, hot topics? We're going to just cover a couple things going on in the news and, uh, feel free to join the conversation if, if you have the urge. Sound good? Let's go for it. I'm probably not as focused as I used to be in terms of what's going on, but I, I did keep my eye
0: to the ground. So, yeah, let's go for it. All
2: right. Well, uh, it doesn't mean you don't have to be, like, totally all in to have an opinion, right? Uh, so uh, you you get to wear your co-host hat for this one. Mm-hmm. So, so, so first... Um, Gents, let's talk about Ethereum NFT creators scrambled to secure projects from thirdwell web vulnerability. So here's the deal here, is that uh, some creators of Ethereum NFT projects are now scrambling to secure their collections. After 3rd a prominent crypto development platform disclosed issues with its smart contracts late Monday. Um, this is last Monday, um, so early December for those of you that are listening later. They wrote that there was a security vulnerability in a commonly used open source library for Web3 smart contracts that was discovered in its effect pre-built contracts um, that sort of, and these are contracts that hold the code that power autonomous decentralized apps and NFT collections. So a little bit uh, scary there to to sort of find out this information. And apparently it was due to some seriousness, um, you know, pretty serious vulnerability with the open source library, um, which was the root of the exploit. And uh, Open Zeppelin, a widely used open source library for smart contracts, has since come out to say that the issue isn't tied to its repository. It's so a little bit of like uh, pointing here. And um, basically, you know, Third World has come out and sort of, um, you know, offered to help Lockdown contracts help people migrate. Um, you know, do some airdropping, cover the network fees. So they're being pretty comprehensive with sort of addressing the issue. But man, what a nightmare! If you're if you're one of those projects and and sort of this wasn't you're planning uh, to do around the holidays, right?
0: Yeah, if there's one thing about Web three, you're gonna get punched in the nose pretty much every day. Um, how do I feel about it? I think it shows that. The beauty of open source in that there's a project, there's a contract, everyone can fork it, everyone can use it, which is brilliant. Challenges come, I guess, in that if there is a vulnerability, everyone that's forked that is affected. So I guess that is the downside of the space, but one, I think people playing it understand. What I do like on the flip side, though, is how the community comes together. People are there to support each other to plug the gaps and do what's kind of needed so i think it shows both sides of it we're still early there's going to be vulnerabilities coming for a long long time and i think it's just how does the community react to kind of plug those gaps and i think we've seen firsthand that a community is strong and doing the best they can to, to
1: fill the gap would be my take look for sure um something that you said earlier resonated with me as as josh was reading that which was. Trust, but verify. Uh, unfortunately, for a lot of people who come in this space and are trying to build, uh, they're going to have to trust because they can't necessarily verify. They're not necessarily coders. And if, if you're going to a platform that's saying like, hey, we're going to help you do XYZ, you're kind of just going on the trust of the word that they said they can do it. So they get web to at least step up and say like, hey, we're sorry for this. We're going to help make this right. XYZ. I think that's great that they're the willingness to do that. Because unfortunately, there's been several of the products that uh, chose not to go that way because it is costly and um a lot of steps to to get it done correctly but the other side of it too uh talk about chaos now you've created this you know NFT project you've got your own community you got them to trust you on there too and now that's kind of been tarnished as well because there's potential vulnerability in what they own so there's like all these ripple effects with it We're early we're still going to you know, keep figuring these things out there's going to be vulnerabilities in a lot of this uh coding uh, unfortunately, and, and with these smart contracts and, you know, hackers going to hack. Uh, people are going to keep trying to find ways to find vulnerabilities. But I think the big lesson here is for companies that are going to be giving open source and having people build on top of having plans in place in case things go wrong like this, I think are, are, are very valuable
2: and necessary. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I think trust is, is something that is is built over over time. And we we talk about um the power of decentralization is that you you don't have to trust because it's it's in the code. But of course, you know, um in this sort of hybrid world of, of partial decentralization, um, you know, there is code that that different parties control and, and there are situations like this that sort of are on the periphery of of what's decentralized, what's not, uh, what can we control? And, um, and that's where it's the incremental things that everyone does every day and how they communicate that makes all, all the difference in this space. So, um, appreciate what you both shared. We got one more, uh, hot topic today, which is uh, a very relevant one is NFT winter over, um, prices climb as Bitcoin and Ethereum surge. Um, I'm sure we've all sort of been watching these charts uh, actively. It's, it's been a big resurgence uh, in activity in the space. Um, we've seen folks like um, the the founder of, of Board Ape Yacht Club sort of actively do some purchasing. But as top altcoins, including Ethereum and Solana, continue to steadily pump, largely in the winds of Bitcoin's tremendous persistence, now week-long price rally, NFT collections associated with those... Uh, networks now appear to be along for the ride. Um, One of those big ones we've seen sort of uh, move north has been Pudgy Penguins, um, which jumped uh, at at the time this article was written 74% in USD floor price uh, in the last week alone, according to NFT price floor. And the trading volume on Pudgy Penguins has also shot up 394% um, in that week, according to Cryptosland, to nearly $7.5 $7.5 million worth of NFT sales. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ethereum steady price increase for the last few weeks as well. Um, has, you know, uh, accounted for some of these good fortunes. Um, since uh, Thanksgiving, the cryptocurrency Ethereum has climbed uh, just 7.7%. Um, I think it's gone up a little bit uh, more than that at this point. and And now of course it's, it's retreading a little bit, but, you know, from what I've seen, most of these uh, Web3 projects, NRT projects, have kind of gone up 5 to 50% over the last few weeks. Um, and this has been across the board. I-, I think what's fascinating to me, fellas, about this is normally when you see Bitcoin rise, um, everything else kind of follows suit, but not so rapidly, not so um in time, uh, in parallel with Bitcoin. Usually there's a little bit more time that sort of transpires between those two activities. And here we're seeing them, you know, almost uh, in real time. Um, I think for me that, you know, intuitively indicates a lot of pent-up energy um, and, and folks that have been waiting for a moment. Um, so it's sort of like a mini hype cycle within sort of the, the sort of increase in in Bitcoin price. I also think it sort of does address that question, are NFTs dead, which, you know, we never felt like NFTs are dead. Um, but certainly the mainstream media talks about, and, and here we have sort of a micro example that no, there's some correlation here with the general markets. And, and as people had more disposable income, um, they're they're going to sort of get back to something they enjoy, which is trading NFTs. So those are some of my initial thoughts. What do you guys think, Like
0: Richard? Do you want to go first?
2: Yeah. Uh, so is
1: above all the the question is is the winter over? I think we are getting closer to spring. I think we are on the the, the end outer edge of of winter. I don't know that we're necessarily out of the woods just yet but I do think you know we're starting to get some embers we're starting to get some some wind blowing on the embers to form us up and get us closer to a spring um because when I look at the greater overall nft marketplace um unfortunately uh like we saw from the 2018 to the 2020 market when uh just in the cryptos in general you saw anywhere from an 85% to 98% retracement and we definitely seen that in the last uh nft market right and for a lot of these projects, even though they're starting to warm, let's say warm up a little bit, they're still down 90, 95%, right? So I think things are warming back up, but I think also what's cool about the projects that are still around and remaining, they've been forced to come up with utility. They've been forced to build community and like hardcore, like, here's why we're here, here's why we're staying, here's where we're holding this bag and we're not getting rid of it, right? Like we're we're here. Uh, it's a perpetuity. It doesn't matter what, what this price goes down to because it doesn't matter. Like we're, we're part of this community. And as the spring starts to come back, um, they're going to be rewarded. And I also think as, you know, these new people that come into these different communities and these new utilities are being shown to to the new and emerging people coming out, it's going to cause this new moment of hype. And I think we're we're pretty close to that. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's how I'm kind of looking at it right now. So I, I think we're out of winter, but I think we're getting closer to spring
0: yeah i think yes yeah, it's getting a little bit warmer um i think you made a good point is it pudgy penguins are they not the ones that have got um some collaboration or selling physical products in?
2: yeah yeah i mean walmart like they they walmart. have a partnership with walmart yeah so so i think from my
0: perspective irrespective of i guess the price and i'm glad the prices are moving i think it is utility as you said richard attributed to the NFTs and people can see the intrinsic value in that, whether that's a physical Pokemon car linked to a digital asset or a kind of a classic car linked to an NFT and things people can understand and kind of translate, then I think we're going to come out of the market. I think we're seeing some stuff in Solana where I think there's some insane um, traffic on, I can't remember, it's a Tensor or one of the, the marketplaces. Maybe that's been driven around an airdrop that happened on another project and people are starting to ape in and hope that they're gonna get some kind of airdrops around that. But it does show you that people are starting to get back into the space, starting to look at kind of what's there and yeah, let's see what utility comes from all these other NFT projects. And we're very much, I guess from our perspective, looking at when well, we are doing NFT kind of drops in terms of our approach is very much around what is the value add and um, that we can attribute utility wise to those nfts and
1: so. so yeah well we definitely appreciate that take um this is going to wrap up our our quick hitters uh our, our, our hot topic for today and uh so many cool things happening as we wrap up this year uh, i'm sure there's going to be even more as we kind of go into 2024 but we always like to go and, and finish strong before we wrap up with a couple of shout outs and i know that you have a couple that you would like to share with us today so who are you Wanting to shout out today.
0: I think first and foremost, it's got to be the Zillica community. I think it might be a bit cliche, but it's been a long bear market. we been quite quiet at Zilliqa with our head down kind of building. So maybe not as prominent as vocal on socials that they probably won, but hopefully they're starting to see the fruits of our labor come to fore. I think Web3 more and the effort and work that the Rolling Thunder's team and the Zillica and, and blockchain team have put in to support getting web 3.0 War to where it is Um a big shout out to them and for Valentin Cabella for what you've done and I guess taking Zilliqa to a, n- a new level or the ecosystem to a new level from
2: gaming deserves um, a big shout out so yeah I think that is it is, is Valentin uh, hanging out on Twitter these days he is Um
0: I can maybe share he goes by is he the sheriff maybe let me see what his... nice Details are. You can find yeah. them at. Uh, let me just double
1: check. There was.
0: I think it's Valentin Cobella. So V A L E N T I N C O B E L E A. Go and find the sheriff. All right. Yeah, uh, and you can yeah. find me at Matt D Dyer on Twitter. I've been quiet for about a year, but I'm back.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, you you've been you've been building, um, and you know you sort of mentioned uh, where you are. Uh, if folks want to learn more about uh, the projects that you're working on, uh, where do they go to check out those projects?
0: I think go to Twitter. Um, Web three war is the first handle from there. I think there's a drop down in terms of working out where you need to get to for white papers and all that good stuff. Other projects like Ionize, definitely going to have a look at them from a liquid staking perspective. There's PlunderSwap, the DEX, um, Averley Finance, again, they're kind of the liquid staking doing a great job. And then zillica.com is kind of uh, obviously a place to find out about the basics. And then another partnership that we've done with Racing League, I think it's Racing League UK, i definitely follow them. There's a lot of alpha to come out of that project would be my hot tip.
2: Awesome. Um, well, uh, thanks so much, Matt, for uh, a really uh, vibrant conversation today. Uh, learned a lot about what you guys are cooking up and, and where Zilka is going. Um, I think this is the beginning of a lot more content to come together. So appreciate your time today. And thanks very much for having me. I have really enjoyed it. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFT for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome, then go back to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms for typing edgeofnft with no spaces, Start a fun conversation with us online and also feel free to join our newsletter by subscribing at edgeofnft.com. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great Web3 content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.
1: The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer terms and conditions and privacy policy.